Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast, hosted by Damon Piatek, President and CEO of Welkie Customs Brokers USA. Damon is a licensed US customs broker and certified customs specialist with more than 18 years experience in the import, export, customs transportation and logistics sectors. Each month, Trade Secrets will bring you guests in the industry to provide their insights on timely trade issues to give you an advantage in international trade. So now, let's talk trade. Welcome to the podcast, Damon Piantek, President and CEO of Welkie Custom Brokers USA. Today we have a returning guest, which we don't do very often, but uh, Mark Ridley from Green Shoots FX has some information on the money markets, and I thought it would be a great idea to have him on a regular basis. So not only is he going to be a returning guest, but he's going to be a regular guest on the podcast to give us some insight into those markets and what's going on. Mark, welcome to the podcast again. Hey, thank you very much. I didn't realize I was the first returning guest. I feel incredibly privileged. The first returning that. guest, then, and the first regular to be regular guest on the podcast. So, yes, now I I, I like that to be regular because that means we just need to uh, renegotiate that financial contract right. that we haven't I, signed yet. I think we're at um, I think we're at a hundred thousand dollars an episode right now. So. I don't know as I can pay you that much, but I'll see if I can get it. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> this this episode can... sponsored by Green Shoots FX for all your money market <laughs> needs on international trades. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Paid for by Mark Ridley's eight year old son's kidney. There you go. So, Mark, a lot has happened since the last time you've been on the podcast. What's going on with you? And I know, just for the listeners, we did do a test of the supply chain, the domestic supply chain, anyways, with a box of donuts. We did. And I I do have to say that I'm not going to mention the um, name of the company that did the shipping, but the donuts actually arrived in one piece, too, right? They did. They and it was did. and it was uh, overnight. It was overnight. They were uh, still pretty fresh, so I'm, I was happy with that. But to be fair, when it comes to donuts, I'm not a particularly fussy person. So even if they'd have got held up in the supply chain for a week, <laughs> I probably still would have enjoyed them. But putting that to one side, they were gratefully received much appreciated and didn't last longer than a day that's fantastic uh, even though there was a dozen that's actually fantastic. it was a day and a half and I shared one well, we're going to put a shout out to Paula's Donuts, a local donut shop here in Buffalo, because they survived the trip um, from here to Boston. Yeah, yeah. well yeah. packed. No, I certainly appreciate that. They were very well packed. They, they were they were lovingly made, um, lovingly eaten as well. Um, so yeah, it's all good. But uh, no, listen, I appreciate you having me uh, having me back. Um, hopefully, we've got something uh, interesting to say, to share, but certainly from our perspective, maybe just give you a little, uh, like 30 seconds, the last, I'm trying to think when we, when we actually did get on last, it was uh, probably Q3 last year, if I yeah. remember rightly. Yeah, I think you're right, it was. Uh, yeah, so there's been, um, there's been a lot happening for us, I mean, we're, uh, during that time, we've flicked over uh, a year, so we've had our year anniversary. Um, it's been actually we're coming up two years uh, this coming couple of weeks I think middle of March 
since we started the build of the company as well. So that's an anniversary that we'll we'll probably celebrate. But then we didn't. You know, we took it was about eight or nine, ten months to to actually uh, get to where we wanted to be, and then we launched in October of uh, 2020. Uh, but to be honest, we 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 weren't really expecting to be making any any real headway in our business plan mm-hmm. for at least a couple of years. We figured that it would take that long to build a reputation, to get the the brand out, to get the um, uh, to get people interested, I guess, uh, and to take a take a a punt on what is essentially a new. Uh, a new firm, but also many businesses in in the U.S. and I'm being a bit broad strokes here. Uh, continue to rely on banks and think that banks are the only way forward, um, and don't even know that there are alternatives. So it's trying to then convince somebody who doesn't know that there's an alternative that there is an alternative, and that that alternative is a new company mm-hmm. um, as well. So. We didn't want to assume that from day one we would be having uh, customers and, and, and prospects that kind of like flocking towards us. But that was a long-winded way of saying, despite that, we, we are building up a nice little customer base as well. And um, as we were just talking off air, we, 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 in the last couple of weeks alone, we've, uh, we've sent out a significant number of account opening documents um, more so than we've ever done in in any other week. So that's fantastic. It's starting to pay dividends, and, and particularly these these particular prospects um, are those that we have been speaking with for anything from six months to eighteen months. Like mm-hmm. literally before we even went live, one of these companies we were speaking to, and I think that that demonstrates and shows the value of of tenacity and and relationships. And we we actually. Care about the relationships yeah. to the point that we we could see there was a need, um, even with these companies that maybe couldn't quite see it themselves, but we could see there was a need, and we stuck with it without right. hopefully being annoying. So, oh, actually, maybe we were so annoying they decided that they wanted to just open just get, just get rid of you, you to open to up the accounts and yeah, the papers. Exactly. So, Mark, yeah. tell us some of the success stories you had with recently with these clients. What is the outcome of signing with you versus going through the traditional sources of a bank? Well, I mean, look, first and foremost, um, I want to caveat by saying we're not we're not bank bashers. Uh, banks are incredibly important to uh, us as as individuals, uh, and they're also very important. Certainly, the, I, I feel anyway. I'm a big fan of regional banks and community banks, and and I feel like that they play a, a significant role in their kind of uh, in the local eco system, if you are the local economy. Um, so I don't want to be uh, I don't want to be bashing uh, them uh, specifically, but like in the main, for, for some of the larger institutions, and I won't name them, but for some of the larger global institutions that are, uh, that are here in the US, yeah, they they have like tens of thousands, and in some cases, a hundred thousand uh, employees. They have uh, thousands of different uh, departments. They've got uh, tens of thousands, in some cases, branches, maybe. Uh, they got regulation coming up of the wazoo, um, but more importantly than, than anything else, they have a boatload of shareholders that they have to uh, impress. So banks are not really, certainly the bigger banks, not really encouraged to go to their corporate clients, their business clients, and say, hey, you know what, I really, really like you. 
I'm going to lower your fees this year. I'm going to um, reduce the margin on your foreign exchange transactions. Even if the local bank relationship manager wants to do that, they're not really encouraged to do that. It's always about, okay, you had a you had a financial target last year that you made. Um, next year's target is that plus uh, growth by 10%. So we, the, the, the key difference really between us and, uh, and financial institutions and banks is really down to the price. Uh, you know, if you're if you're an importer buying a pallet of widgets from Germany, just looking at the, the mid market rate right now as, as we're on air is one thirteen thirty four. If you go to your bank, they're probably going to be looking at one sixteen. Whereas you talk so for, so if you if you uh, have a, an invoice for one hundred thousand euros, you're going to pay one hundred and sixteen thousand dollars through your bank. Whereas you end up paying one hundred and fourteen thousand bucks, maybe less, through us because our rate is going to be. Uh, our markup is going to be a lot less, and we can afford to do that because we don't we don't have to have the wide margin to support the, the branches, the people, uh, but, but uh, the shareholders. So that's I think that's one of the key things. And then um, uh, another major differentiator that, that we see as well is is really the product. So um, what you don't often see with with many organisations are the risk management tools being pushed towards businesses uh, and that's one of the key areas that we like to really play in so talking to clients about hedging their currency payments or receipts out for the next rolling 12 months so if we feel as though that the, the, the dollar is going to uh, weaken for example over the course of the next 12 months maybe it might move to 120 you'll be paying $120,000 this time next year for, your, for that same pallet of widgets from Germany Whereas we talk to clients about hedging that uh, those transactions out for the next 12 months, meaning that you could end up paying 114,000 bucks today and next month and the month after and the month after that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, um, for as far forward as we need to go. So again, that's more of a um, best practices and handholding um, exercise that we that we like to uh, that we like to sit down and talk to clients about. And, and again, it's just it's not that that, that these tools don't necessarily exist in some of the larger banks it's just that they're not talked about they're not really pushed by your average relationship manager so talk a little bit more about that hedging because to me uh being an international trade guy that sounds important for payments however it's something that i'm not very up on nor do i take the time to read about so i think for our listeners this would be a great uh you know great educational time for them to learn a little bit more about that hedging uh Possibilities. Right. Okay. How does that so, work? What's uh, dig into that a little bit? Dig into that. Okay. So, first and foremost, um, when we look, when we talk about forward foreign exchange pricing, i.e., you have a pallet of widgets that you've ordered today from Germany, and you're operating on 60, 90 day terms. So, where are we now? Uh, middle of Feb, March, April, May. So. You, you, you're agreeing that you're going to make a payment for 100,000 euros in the middle of May. So we would look at the forward foreign exchange price, uh, which is not too dissimilar to the, the current spot price. And what, what people think and what, what many do actually think is that the forward price is where the market expects the currency to be. And that's not the case. It's not like a, a you know, futures in... Um, uh, stocks, for example, 
Like we're not. It's not a prediction of where it's going to be. It's the difference in the uh, the actual uh, interest rates between the two currencies that drives what the forward price will actually be. So if we looked at the forward price right here, right now, you're probably looking at one like one thirteen, kind of forty, one point one three four zero. So. In, in that regard, we know that you're going to be making a payment in three months for $100,000. Uh, sorry, 100,000 euros. Why would you just wait until that time to make that payment when the rate could go anywhere? Like today, you know it's going to cost you 114,000 bucks. In three months, it could cost you $115,000 if the rate uh, moves against you. So mm-hmm. we would encourage. A, uh, a CFO or a business owner to lock in that rate, if you will. That's effectively what, what hedging is. Lock in the rate today for delivery at a point in the future. And you can have that delivery at any point in the future, obviously provided it's a, a business day for that particular currency. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, you've, you've taken the ambiguity out of the, and the risk out of the currency going against you. Right. And one of the key, I guess, one of the key comments that we we often then hear is, well, what if the rate moves in the other direction? What if it if it means I could have paid less in three months? And our response to that is, look, there are ways and means that we can get around that, and that we can unwind a trade and we could put a new trade in. Mm-hmm. But you're not doing it because you um, you're not entering into the forward contract because you're trying to make money. Like you should never be a speculator. You're doing it because you want to protect yourself and your company on the downside, mm-hmm. and you also want to plan. Um, your cash flow. So by entering into that forward exchange rate uh, contract today, you now have, right here, right now, as we fix the trade, a known dollar amount that you can plan, uh, that you can use in your planning, and also you've you've managed the risk. And that's really what, as a CFO, you should be doing. Managing Not speculating, the risk. but just managing the risk. Yeah. And it's no different from, um, you know, in the, in the UK, we don't typically have 15 or 30 year fixed rate mortgages. People don't do that in the UK, but here in the US, that's quite prevalent. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I've asked the CFO in the past, like, well, what, why did you buy a 30 year fixed rate mortgage? And, and, the, and the answer is classic, and then the penny drops. It's like, well, because I want to protect myself in case rates go up. And also I want to know what my monthly repayments are going to be. And I'm like, well, boom, why wouldn't you want to do that for your business as well? Right. Protect yourself from the downside and know what your cash flow is going to be. Right. So it's uh, it, 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 it sounds more confusing than it is when people hear it. But mm-hmm. when you start drawing it out in stick figure diagrams, it then becomes like, oh, all right, yeah, it's a very, okay, yeah, that's I get it. I now I understand it, and, and we should be right. engaging in those practices. Well, one but of the also, first hurdles that really companies really need to jump over, I believe, and we've talked about it before, is trading in the or buying in the currency of the country where you're buying from instead of U.S. dollars. That, you know, that, yeah, that's hurdle number one. I, a lot of businesses that we speak to, um, uh, the first words they say is, you know what, thanks for the chat, but we have no currency uh, payment need because we buy our pallet of widgets from Germany and we pay for them in US dollars. So thanks, but no thanks. And then you have to, before the, <laughs> before the phone gets slammed down, you're like, oh, hold on one second. A couple of things. Number one, uh, you're overpaying. And number two, you actually do have currency risk. And that's the, the, the set why both of those that really kind of blow the mind. It's like, well, Mark, I'm, 
I'm a dollar-based institution. I'm here in the States. My, I sell in US dollars. Uh, I plan in US dollars. Uh, I can't have any currency risk, you idiot. You know? And I'm like, well, let's have a look at what you paid for that pallet of widgets two years ago when dollar euro was down at 106. You were paying 106,000 uh, dollars for that. Now, that same pallet of widgets, you're paying $114,000. And that's that's not because the uh, German exporter is trying to hose you in any way. Um, they're still earning 100,000 euros for, the, for that pallet. It's just that the currency's moved such that it becomes more expensive for you. So you're buying in dollars, you've got a currency exchange risk that you can't see and therefore you can't manage. And then also because the uh, exporter has the currency risk, they're going to get paid, for example, 100 and whatever you decided there, right? 115, $120,000 in 90 days. They have no clue what the currency rate is going to be at that point in time. They want to make sure they get $100,000. So if the rate today is is 1.14, which effectively could be 114,000 bucks, they'll round that up or they'll add 5% to it. So they'll make that closer to 120,000 bucks just so they can manage the currency uh, currency risk. So that when they receive 120,000 bucks, if the rate's going against them, mm-hmm. at least there's a chance they still might receive 100,000 euros. So there's a markup which CFOs and, and buyers here in the US don't see, don't, don't take into consideration, and there's currency exchange risk. Yeah. So converting and asking for a, uh, an invoice or a quote in, in their currency, as well as US dollars, and then just pay whichever one's cheaper, and you'll probably find the currency's the cheaper one every time. Right, right. Well, and this, this uh, kind of goes back to what I've been talking about, is building predictability in your supply chain. This is a way to protect yourself, mitigate your risk, and you're going to hear me saying that a lot throughout this year, because we've learned so many lessons from the pandemic in our supply chain. And this is just really another way to build predictability into it. It's building predictability into costs. Um, so yeah, we really, we Absolutely. really, yeah, we really appreciate that, Mark. So how? Just to to put it out there for our listeners, what's the best way to get in touch with you, Mark? Uh, so there's a there's a number of ways. Um, I guess uh, individuals can can actually come to you if you don't mind being that switchboard but equally they can come to me directly uh my email is is mark with a k mark.ridley at greenshootsfx.com uh check out our website which is greenshootsfx.com as well um we put a lot of content out across the website but we also put a lot of content out across our business linkedin page Yes, and you well. just so I, I just saw that. yesterday on the LinkedIn page a great blog post, so that was... Yeah, we and I appreciate you saying that. So some of the, the items that we put out, we're trying to make sure it's not too, like, it, it's obviously salesy, right? I mean, we're all in, in the sales game, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it, we want to make sure it is educational. And yeah. so we do push out a lot of best practices Information and then some intel that you might not necessarily um, uh, uh, like maybe think about. Um, like yesterday's uh, post or last night's post was all about managing uh, risk. Yeah. Um, so that's not just currency risk, but that's other risks as well in your in the supply chain. So yeah, look, we we try and put some useful stuff out, and um, we're, we're we're getting that increased 
uh, following. Uh, we're getting a lot more inquiries coming through uh, because of the, the content that we put now. So that's, you know, we know it's working. So that we'll continue doing a lot more of the same. Perfect. And if you send Mark a box of donuts, he'll give you a free hour of consulting, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Everything's free anyway, so I'm more than happy. I shouldn't say that, but you know, because I want the donuts. But everything's free anyway. But if you send send me a box of donuts, then I don't know, maybe I'll take a couple of basis points off the exchange rate. There you go. There and, uh, you go. And and uh, we just have to say we're you know we're gonna we're gonna say happy birthday, Mark, because you just had a birthday recently. I did, yeah. Friday, Friday last week. Uh, where are we? Four, four days ago? Yeah. It's, you know, I could, and I appreciate you saying that, but I'd completely forgotten that it was my birthday. Even on Thursday evening or Thursday late afternoon, I was still, uh, I booked a couple of meetings for Friday. And even the people that I, I booked the meetings with that I, you're working on your birthday? That's a, that's a commitment. I'm like, oh. Well, yeah. yeah. So, do you mind if we do that Tuesday next week? Uh, right. Yeah, so I, I completely forgot. Well, when you get to I be our age, you just forget about them. Yeah. Just, it's just a <laughs> Exactly that. It's just a number. It's just like, you know, I, I have an eight-year-old who still thinks that I'm, well, he thinks that I'm eight yeah. as well because I just dance around like a fool. So. Perfect. You're, you're as old as you want to be, right? Exactly. Exactly. Well, Mark, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. If you want to reach out to Mark, uh, email him, uh, check out his website, uh, connect to him on LinkedIn. Uh, but great information. And if you haven't thought about doing currency exchange, have a conversation with him. Mark, thank you again. We look forward to having you on the podcast on a regular basis. Uh, and uh, that's it. If you have any questions for our podcast, if there's anything about supply chain you need to know or international trade, send the emails to us, Damon, D-A-M-O-N, at Welke, W-E-L-K-E-U-S-A.com. Mark, thank you again, and uh, everyone have a wonderful day. This has been Trade Secrets, the podcast hosted by Damon Piatek, President and CEO of Welke Customs Brokers USA. Thank you for listening.